We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Hornets fans, and welcome back to another BuzzBeat. This is Richie, and on today's episode, I'm going to be joined by Lee, as well as a guest, Ben H-U-N-C-C on Twitter. Give him a follow. He's a Hornets fan and tweets out stuff about the team. We went live on Saturday afternoon and had a conversation about LaMelo Ball, Nick Richards, who we already released an episode on. And this is a continuation of that episode where we went on to talk about Kelly Oubre's season as well as Dennis Smith Jr.'s season. So if you haven't listened to the previous episode, you can just listen to it after this one. Uh, There's no real order to it, but we discuss the highs and lows of of these players. And I hope you guys uh, give that a listen. If you guys want to support us, like always, just take 30 seconds out of your day right now. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, give us a review, and continue on with this episode. So without further delay here, let's get into our conversation about Kelly Oubre as well as DSJ. All right, let's talk about Kelly Oubre, 27 years old, played in 48 games this season, averaged 20 points and five rebounds per game. I think offensively, he's relatively limited in what he can do to get his points. He's a stationary spot-up shooter and really a streaky one at that. But one thing that I think he's done a better job of, and I've been harping on this the whole podcast this season, is just getting to the rim, changing his shot profile up a little bit. He doubled his drives per game from 3.6 to 7.2 from last season to this one. He averaged a career-best 6.7 rim attempts per 75 possessions. And he's also doing this with a little bit more of a pick-and-roll ball handler uh, duties as well. And the thing that's really limiting in his offensive game when it comes to this, like he's not driving to pass. Like that's just not a part of his game. He's not doing it to set others up. His assist rate just isn't there when he's handling the ball out of the pick and roll or getting to the rim. He's doing it to score. And I feel like that's just part of his mentality. He's a scorer, microwave scorer. And I think sometimes 
you know, we think you talk about this a lot, Lee. We think he's actually shooting better from three than he actually is. And I want to say almost he shot worse this year than last year. I, I could be wrong. Um, he did. He okay. Did. So, but I, I will still harp on the fact that he at least changed his shot profile up a little bit on the offensive side. And then defensively, there's a, there's some good and bad, some give and take here. He still loses focus off the ball for backdoor cuts and things of that nature, but he did a much better job of being a disruptor, getting his hands in passing lanes. Uh, he had 3.2 deflections uh, per game, which was top 10 in the NBA. I also thought he was fairly decent on the ball, too, when it comes to, like, the steals. And, you know, overall, like, when you take a step back, I, I think probably it's a net neutral on defense if you factor in everything. But to me... With Kelly Oubre, you know what you're getting from him. He's very limited offensively in terms of what you are getting. He is not going to set others up, but at least you can expect this guy to light other teams up for 25, 30 points on occasion if he can get hot. But I think the streakiness of Kelly Oubre was a little bit hard to watch at times, and I, I'm not sure he'll be back next year. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i not sure he'll be back either. It, you know, I, I, am, I am not... You know, I, I don't dislike Kelly Oubre by any means. I'm just kind of indifferent to him. Um, like, if if Kelly Oubre was not retained, you know, I, I wouldn't lose any sleep over it. Um, I, I think, Richie, you've done a very fair job this season at kind of carving out parts of his game that he has expanded. And I think it's, I think it's all very fair and true. I just... I just don't think he is. And I hate to use this term because it's it's charged and it's probably not particularly intelligent, but I just don't think he's like a winning player. Um, you know, you, you mentioned something I've long kind of beat the drum on. You know, he, he's kind of billed as a shooter, but actually isn't. Now, his streakiness does change that calculation a little bit because he will hit seven or eight threes in a game, um, you know, once a month and it can like literally win you a game. He, he provided us one of the greatest Eric Collins quotes of all time. When he hit the, when he hit the deep three in the, in the fourth quarter and, and Eric Collins gave us his iconic from Sardis road call. I mean, that's just like, I'll love him for that. Always. I think that was against uh, the Pistons. Yeah. And he oh, was, that was he awesome. Was, it was like it was the Kelly Oubre game. I mean, he was just nuclear, completely unconscious. Um, so yeah, he shot thirty-one percent from the three this season. He's never shot over thirty-four percent from three on a single season. Uh, his career three-point shoot, shooting average is thirty-three percent. So he is, uh, and like you said, he. I, although he, I do think he has improved marginally as a defender. I would still bill him as, like you said, kind of a net neutral or even slightly negative defender. Um, so it again, like, and and his net rating on the year almost three thousand possessions. You know, negative eight point three. Now that paints it. That paints it in a slightly unfair light because the Hornets were negative 6.3 as a team. So he's only kind of slightly under what the Hornets team net average was. Um, but again, I guess I'll just wrap up by saying I'm indifferent to Ubre. I, you know, if they bring him back, I hope it's on a, a, a very kind of team friendly, manageable deal. I can't imagine he would command much demand in the market. Although there probably are some, 
there probably are teams out there that could use kind of a spark plug wing that comes off their bench that they don't necessarily need to depend on, but that can give them a, a random nuclear performance here or there. So uh, he certainly will obviously be employed next season. I'm just not necessarily dying for it to be in a Hornet uniform. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I will say I absolutely love Kelly Oubre. Um, his value on court is still to be determined. Um, I think that, like like y'all said, he, his, he I thought he was infinitely better this year than he was his first season in Charlotte. Um, he his first season in Charlotte, he was basically post injury Clay. If Clay shot thirty three percent from three, and that's not that's not a good basketball player. But this year, it's like he figured out how to use his athleticism. He, Clifford, I, I think Clifford got to him a little bit in that, you know, he's one of, if not the most athletic players on the court at basically all times. And, and he used that. The efficiency wasn't good, but I will say that if you were watching the games, it didn't necessarily feel like it was that bad. You know, it it didn't feel like he was shooting 41%. It felt, it felt much better than that, and that's, that probably doesn't mean anything because it was 41%. But defensively, I thought he was better this year. He, The one thing about Kelly Oubre is it's easy to watch him and say, well, you know, goodness, he's not a very good defender. And he's not, he's not an outstanding defender. But he seems to have the toughest assignment, one through three, even four sometimes, basically game in and game out. And, you know, you can't expect a guy to to be this lockdown defender when you're you're being asked to guard De'Aaron Fox one night, LeBron the next night, and then Luca the night after that. You know, so I think it's a little unfair to him sometimes. He definitely, definitely, definitely gets disinterested off ball quite a bit. Yeah, that's that's an issue. He gets back cut quite quite frequently, and that's very frustrating. But he also, like I said, he like you guys said, he's top ten in the NBA in deflections, and deflections are wonderful. He gets a lot of steals, and offensively, I mean it. 20 points is not, I mean, it's not, that's not nothing. And it's, it's not the greatest 20 points you've ever seen, but it's, it's valuable. And do I want him back next year as our, as a starting, as a starter? No, but on a reasonable deal, having him back, like, yeah, because it also felt like in the, the waning days of the season when we'd been playoffs were a distant long memory, 
he was one of the only people that it felt like cared at times. It felt like he cared. And then PJ, Dennis Smith, those, those are like the three that come to mind initially. When we think about who, who still cared throughout the entire season. And that's, and maybe that feels like a little bit of a, a little league YMCA compliment, but, but it, in a team like on a team like this in a season like that, I think that's worth at least noting. No, yeah, that that to me is is not something that you can dismiss by any means. And I think having players on the roster that have the energy, that have the want to, that have the desire, even with the season the way that it was going, it's very easy to check out and you know take a back seat and and not bring the energy night to night. And I think that's something that Kelly Oubre has always had. Is there a number, guys, that you just wouldn't go? I personally wouldn't bring them back. I feel like there's some other priorities that I would factor in. But is there a number that feels fair, or is there a number that you just would not go above to bring this guy back? He was on a salary of twelve million dollars. Like, if if the value is fifteen million, sixteen million, do you bring him back, Lee? No, no, okay. no. I I I'm with you, Richie. I would. And and look, I quick thing I will say is like. I do appreciate that Kelly Oubre has made like public comments that he yeah. really loves Charlotte. So like, uh, and he's a fun player. So I do want to put that out there. Like, uh, you know, this is a very sober analysis for me, but there are things to like about Oubre and he does have one of the best nicknames in the NBA tsunami poppy. So that counts too. But um, I mean, think about it this way. Like, Cody Martin's getting $8 million a year and granted he had a very disappointing season from an availability standpoint, but I think Cody Martin is a more effective NBA player than Kelly Oubre is, even though Cody Martin's never going to average 20 points a game, certainly. Um, so I would not go above like the $8 million threshold for Kelly Oubre. And to be fair, I think there probably are NBA teams that would go above that threshold Correct. in the market. So um, although I'm admitting that there will be teams that will value him above that line, I, I wouldn't go there. What about you, Ben? Now, now remember, we've got Nick Batum's nine million dollar coming off this offseason, so Ooh. there's some extra uh, spending cash coming. That? Out. Are we doing a Absolutely. podcast on the day that rolls off the books? We should have a celebration. <laughs> we'll have a celebration. Yeah, yeah. About as far as Kelly Oubre, I don't know. It, it's kind of hard for a couple of reasons. First, being it, I, I'm going to need a minute to get a sense of what the the new normal is with the new CBA. So you know. T- 10 million last year and the same as 10 million next year. Um, if I think there's something to be said for guys like Kelly Oubre who want to be in Charlotte because a lot of guys don't want to be in Charlotte if we're being totally honest with ourselves. So I don't have an exact number in mind, but and I, if, if I was able to just give him the exact same deal that he played the last two years on, I think it'd be hard for me not to do it. If you're asking me at 15 or 16 million, mm-hmm. probably not. You know, that's that's tough. I think he's a more valuable to some other team than he is to us. And B, I'm not as much as I do love Kelly Oubre, and I hope wherever he is next year, he has success. I'm not willing to get into a bidding war over him when there's just there's bigger needs, and he's not necessarily filling a hole. Yeah, that. That number that he had this year feels fair, and especially as you're talking about how the numbers are going to go up every year in terms of the cap, 
it feels more fair. Uh, but I, I still would kind of second guess that. And I'm probably not as low as Lee, like that eight, nine million, but probably somewhere in between there that I would kind of have to second guess myself. But yeah, 16 million, definitely not. But uh, we will see. I said that he exceeded expectations only because the point total that Ben was talking about. Yes, he had more of a role this season, but also just changing the profile. What about you, Lee? I'll go meets meets expectation. I think um, I think he would he he was and still is exactly who I thought he was. <laughs> what about what about you, Ben? Um, I would go exceeded if for no other reason because he is the total anti Clifford player and partially out of necessity. Well, not partially, a large part out of necessity. But he seemed like he actually like he he helped. I thought, you know, I thought we were, I don't know if the numbers backs up or not. I thought we were better when he played and, I, and that's not nothing. <laughs> yeah. And I, that's a good point about Clifford. I think we were talking about Ubre in the, uh, the preseason pods, Lee, about how Ubre is the one unClifford player and he might be out of the rotation. Now injuries probably played a role. So we never really got the full picture there, but he did a whole lot better under Clifford than we probably would have given him credit for. Lastly, Absolutely. yeah. Lastly, let's get to uh, DSJ. Twenty-five years old, played in fifty-four games, averaged eight points, five assists, and three rebounds. Interestingly enough, he was on a Exhibit Nine contract uh, late, late in the summer, late addition to the team, and he he like Ubre is a free agent this offseason, and he's a guy that I would probably or definitely put over Ubre in terms of the priority list. Um, mainly because of the lack of stability with the Hornets and their backup point guard position. So, Lee, I'll let you start off DSJ here before Ben and I give our thoughts. Oh yeah, I mean DSJ. Uh, yeah, I mean probably this probably the, the the bright story of the season here. I mean, literally plucked him off the streets. You know, any any team in the NBA could have had him. Um, you know, the 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 kind of like traditional counting stats don't necessarily pop off the page besides that five to to 1.5 assist to turnover ratio, which is incredibly impressive. I mean, for, for a guy who kind of was long billed as, you know, not necessarily a great decision maker, not much of a distributor not someone who kind of elevated and created good opportunities for his teammates around him. You know, he had some, decent kind of scoring years early in his career as a, as a lottery pick in Dallas, but was never particularly efficient when he did it. So kind of was like an empty calories scorer early in his career until he slowly, you know, a part of the Porzingis trade ended up in New York and, and slowly like faded out of the league basically. Um, so for him to come in, play 55 games, 15 starts and to be a, unique presence in the backcourt for the Hornets. You know, I mean, Richie, how long on this podcast had we just pleaded for any sort of resistance at point of attack defense, you know, for any sort of resistance from an on ball kind of head of defense player. And of course the Hornets find that player not in the draft because I long criticized, I mean, Cupcheck has his feathers in his cap from from a you you know utilizing draft capital standpoint, including Nick Richards, who we already talked about. But like, I was just 
almost irate at certain times by the fact that he just refused to spend draft capital on trying to find a, a decent backup point guard. Uh, and, you know, he basically just kicked dirt in my face by finding a guy that uh, wasn't even, you know, on NBA teams radars. Um, so the uniqueness that he added, I mean, the point of attack defense, the downhill rim pr- protection and even kind of the off ball disruptive defense that he provides too. I mean, how many times this season did DSJ, you know, uh, kind of like uh, disrupt opposing teams, offenses, passing lanes um, and just like a nuclear athlete around the rim too. And in transition now, you know, early in the season when DSJ was having a lot of success, the one thing we pointed out on this podcast numerous times is like, the shooting probably won't hold up. The shooting probably won't hold up. And it didn't. I mean, he shot 21% from three on the year, um, which is essentially a non-shooter. But everything else was sustainable. And that was the one thing we knew that probably wouldn't stick around. So that's okay. Like if Dennis Smith Jr. could shoot, he'd be a $20 million a year player. So um, the fact that that is the kind of one big hole in his game, I think makes him – makes him retainable. Um, It would certainly be interesting to talk about what kind of contract we think he is in line for and what kind of competition the the Hornets may have in retaining him. But the last, and the last point I'll make here is he pairs quite nicely with with LaMelo ball. Like not only as a backup point guard, he's like the inverse of LaMelo in every kind of beautiful way as a backup point guard, but the LaMelo DSJ pairing as a as backcourt mates actually isn't bad either. Now it's a fair, I mean, not a super small sample size, only 500 possessions, but that's not nothing. A flat net rating for those two as a backcourt pairing on the floor together. And again, you may say flat net rating, not incredibly impressive, but when you put it in the context of the Hornets team net rating was negative six, it actually is quite impressive. So for all those reasons, I think he has to be a massive priority for the Hornets this offseason because, again, of those qualities that he provides that just don't exist anywhere else on the roster besides some overlap with Cody Martin. But 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 Cody, again, is is your kind of receiver on offense, solid rotational defensive player, whereas DSJ is really like a point of attack bulldog and downhill rim attacker and distributor, which Cody Martin is not. DSJ creates for others, and Cody doesn't. Oh, I, I think Cody is a little bit a little bit of a distributor. Fair, that's fair. Thank you, too. Yeah, but yeah, you're right, Lee. Like, I, I think he was the best individual defender on the Hornets roster, and I'll, I'll go real quick here before I pass it off to Ben. When the, well, I guess if it was like a center or power forward, it, it's probably out of the question, but he took on the best player, whether it was a guard or a wing. And I think he has the perfect combination of both power and athleticism and just bodying up players, hustling, contesting shots, navigating screens. Uh, He even makes weak side blocks every now and then. And I think he just takes pride in those one-on-one matchups. And you saw that on a game-to-game basis. And that power and that athleticism shows up on the offensive end. Yeah, he can't shoot. He can't shoot. But he's got to compensate for that in other ways on the court. And I think the best way to do that is to try to get to the rim and use that power, use that strength. And he knows his own strengths, and he did very well in driving and kicking and getting others involved. 
He was going to get to the rim. He was going to try to draw fouls. He was going to try to kick it out to the corners. He had a very, very solid assist rate off of drives. So, yeah, he does not have the spacing, uh, but playing with LaMelo, as Lee alluded to, is a very good combo because LaMelo doesn't have the rim pressure, but DSJ does. LaMelo doesn't have the point of attack defense, but DSJ does. So I do think that they complement each other more than one would think. You know, a lot of people say, you know, you get got to get a shooter around LaMelo where he can drive and kick to them. But you can also use it in this way, too. If DSJ gets a little bit better as a cutter, and um, but even when he has the ball in his hands, making quick decisions and, and getting into the paint uh, is very good. Uh, so, Ben, uh, I know we're kind of up against the clock here, but I know you probably have some good thoughts on DSJ. Yeah, I love DSJ. He was my favorite story of the entire season. And I would I will be very, very disappointed if he's not back. I don't know what the contract looks like. For all we know, some team may see what we see and shell out a contract that we just can't reasonably meet so if that happens that happens but 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 on the surface he is by most metrics and by the eye test one of the best guard on ball defenders in the league i mean it's it's absurd because he's, he's so strong and athletic that it's it's, I can't, I would not be the one, I would not want to be someone trying to score on him. And offensively, like y'all mentioned, no, he absolutely cannot shoot. He, yeah, and he got off to a good start shooting, which means that at the last 40 games of the season for him or something, he probably shot like 15% from three. It was, it was, it was rough to watch. But, but other than that, offensively, he's a good passer, he's a nuclear athlete. And he he helps everyone else. He can play on ball. He can play off ball. He, he, he can play off ball a little bit. He, he's a good cutter. He, he can receive some passes and finish it. He's a great finisher. And I agree with y'all that I think he played, He can play with LaMelo very, very well. I think that LaMelo's ideal backcourt mate, I would prioritize being a good defender over being a, a really good shooter, which is why, you know, if, if we just needed shooting next to LaMelo, then Terry Rozier, we we wouldn't even be having that conversation. Um, but Dennis Smith, I think, actually fits next to LaMelo better than Terry Rozier does. When you look at the fact that you that you can just put Dennis Smith on whoever the best guard on the other team is, and that's that. And then LaMelo can just he'll take whoever the other guy is. And so basically, basically, yeah, I, I love DSJ. I want him back. And the metrics numbers whatever you look at supports that he was one of the most valuable defenders in the league and some of them say he was the most valuable defender in the league i'm gonna go ahead and speak for everyone and say that he exceeded expectations for everyone so we won't get into the grading here but ben thanks so much for joining us today where can people find you on on social media yeah thank you guys i'm twitter at ben h-u-n-c-c i'm just kind of tweet whatever comes to mind, whether it's relevant or not. And that's about it. (laughs) Very good. We appreciate it. And I want to thank everyone for joining us today on Spaces. As always, please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. Review us on Apple Podcasts. Visit buzzbeat.substack.com for information about our private podcast feed where you guys can get ad-free episodes and early access. So for Lee, for Ben, I'm Richie. Take care.